Hello, and welcome to your weekly dose of serotonin. I am your host, Sarah, and I learned a very valuable lesson last week. I learned that planning out everything that I'm going to say, like having a timeline and really trying to give you the facts is like not my vibe. I think it was fine. I I think if you wanted that information, even if you didn't want that information, you got it anyways. But um, I think I'm learning about myself that maybe less preparation is better for me, which to be honest, I shouldn't be shocked about this because I never studied for a test in high school or college. If my parents are listening to this, I'm very sorry to admit that to you. Um, okay. I did study for some, but usually it was just better for me just to go in and wing it. And for the most part, I did really well. Um, but I think I just get too in my head when I prepare too much. And I think I just, I think I stretch myself too thin with last week's episode of just trying to give you guys all the facts. And then it didn't give me time to really give my thoughts And that's like the whole point of this. I mean, I don't know if you guys appreciate just hearing my thoughts for the entire episode each week, Um, but that's what I enjoy doing. So this week I'm going into it with no preparation. I'm actually recording this earlier. Usually I like record and then post the same day, but I was just like in the mood to talk about Taylor Swift, which spoiler alert, that's what this week's episode is about. I guess it's not a spoiler alert because I'm going to be putting in the title that this is about Taylor Swift. Um, but I was just in the mood to talk about Taylor Swift, which quite frankly, I'm like always in the mood to talk about Taylor Swift. So not surprising. Um, but I was like, you know, why wait? I might as well just do it now. However, the main difference about this episode is that I'm not really going to be talking about Taylor Swift in the same way that I talked about the Jonas Brothers in the first episode. Because with the Jonas Brothers, I kind of gave a little bit about their history. Taylor Swift, everybody knows Taylor Swift's history. And we're not even really going to go into her dating history. That's a huge lie. We're definitely going to go into her dating history. But only in the terms of who she wrote songs about. Um, Because that's what this week's episode is about. It's going to be about her discography. Because look, if you don't like Taylor Swift you're wrong and I'm sorry for you, but mostly I think everybody has to admit that she's a very good songwriter. Even if you don't like the style of music she, um, produces, sings, produces, whatever. Um, even if you don't like the style of music that she releases, I think everybody has to be able to admit that she is a very good songwriter. She's extremely prolific. She writes all of her own music and has since her first album, which came out when she was very young, um, like a teenager. And it's just, her music has just matured since then. And her style of writing has become even more refined and polished. Her music is very lyrical and has a lot of beautiful metaphors and imagery. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to be basically talking about her songs and who her songs are written by or written about. And I understand that she has like nine albums. So maybe you guys are thinking like, oh my gosh, Sarah, you're going to talk about all of her music from nine different albums. This is going to go on for years. And like, I could talk about her for 
hours and hours and hours. But a lot of her songs are written about the same people. Um, so it's really not going to be that intense. <laughs> I say that now. And I'm having flashbacks to when I said my first episode was going to be 10 minutes long and then it was an hour. So we're just going to see where this goes. But that's my only real plan for today is just to talk about her music, who she wrote them about, and why her lyrics are so beautiful. Okay? So this is basically just like me convincing everybody that Taylor Swift's music is the best. Um, so to start, let's start at the very beginning. What is that from? Um, Sound of Music. I'm not going to sing it for you, but um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you should go watch The Sound of Music. Anyways, um, Taylor Swift's first album came out in 2006, uh, and it is titled Taylor Swift. So this one, I don't really have tons to say about it. It's a very good album. I'm not saying that I don't have a lot to say about it because it's not good, because it is. It's incredible. Um, and it's a wonderful debut album. However, she wrote these songs when she was a teenager, before she was famous. I mean, if it came out in 2006, how old was she? Wasn't she born in like 1989? Yeah, <laughs> she has a whole album written about that. Um, anyways, if she was born in 1989 and it came out in 2006, how old was she? Hold on, let me get on my calculator because I'm not going to be able to do that in my head 17 she was 17 when it came out goodness gracious um possibly depending on when her birthday well her birthday's in december i know that off the top of my head it's fine and it was released n earlier than that so she might have been 16 is that how that works anyways she was young. That's the moral of the story. She was young and obviously she was not famous yet because it was her first album. So she didn't have any high profile relationships. And to be honest, she has also said about most of the music on this album was just like love stories that she had made up in her head. A lot of this album and some of Fearless even, I think she has said before, um, were about like love stories that she saw on TV or saw around her or that she just like invented in her mind. Um, so a lot of these are not actually based on real people that she knows. Um, I mean, Teardrops on My Guitar famously set, says the name Drew. She's name dropping in it. So clearly that one is about a boy named Drew. And also this song is basically about being like, you don't even notice me and I am in love with you. Um, so that's kind of a relatable like situation for her to be in, especially at that age, um, where it's like this one-sided love. So a lot of her songs from her first album are about that, are about just this, like either her having this unrequited love for somebody or having a crush on someone who doesn't know she exists or just stories that she's seen around her. So to be honest, I'm kind of breezing past the first album. It is a great album. Don't get me wrong. There's just nothing like real juicy to talk about here. Um, yeah. What, what should I say about this? 
Cold As You is an incredible song. Cold As You is very underrated. And now that I'm looking at the like track listing, really, this is a solid album. Should have said no. Iconic. The Outside is also really good. And I also felt like I related to The Outside, even though I didn't really. But I think everybody kind of relates to The Outside a little bit. If you haven't heard The Outside by Taylor Swift, it's basically about being on the outside, feeling like you don't fit in. So especially when you're in like middle school and high school, I feel like I related to those lyrics. Um, Even if like I had a group of friends and everything, it still just felt like, I think we all go through those times in our lives where we feel like we don't totally fit in. Um, So I think Cold As You and The Outside were two of my favorite songs on the album. And I'm looking at what her bonus tracks were. Perfectly Good Heart. Why do I not remember that song? It sounds familiar to me, but I feel like I don't know that song that well. Invisible was really good. Her bonus tracks, this is going to be a recurring theme, you guys, but her bonus tracks continually, continually exceed expectations. Her bonus tracks are so good, and a lot of times I would wonder, and still wonder, why her bonus tracks did not make the actual album. But then you look at the songs on the actual album and you're like, yeah, I don't want to get rid of any of these either. So I get it. But like, I'm just glad that she's releasing albums now that have like 20 songs on them because her old ones that she'd only have like 12 songs on and then she'd have like six bonus tracks. And I'm like, every single one of these bonus tracks are also incredible. And it was like back in the day when you had CDs. So I would have to like listen to her album and then take that CD out and then put in the bonus CD and then listen to that. And obviously it wasn't that much work, but like it felt like a lot of work. So I'm just really glad for music streaming services now because now I can just listen to like all of her music all at once and I never have to change a CD. I don't even think I have CDs in my car. Huh? Anyways, um, I have a CD player. Don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I didn't check when I bought it, but I'm pretty sure I still do. I just never use CDs anymore. Um, shout out to people who still do. Good for you. Um, anyways, so that's Taylor Swift's debut album. We're going to kind of move on past that because Fearless is when it starts really getting good. Um, with like things to talk about, but Taylor Swift's first album, 10 out of 10. She did a great job. And I don't think I was deep enough to write these kind of lyrics when I was 15 or 16. Because I'll be honest with you, here is <laughs> here is an insight into my life that most people don't know about me. Actually, I don't even think I've ever told anyone this. Um, I used to write songs when I was like 14 or 15. Um Cause like I've always loved writing, um, but I specifically wanted to become a songwriter when I was that age and I was right, I would write songs and I remember looking back through them even just like three years after that. Like I remember probably being like a junior or senior in high school and looking at some of the songs that I had written a few years earlier and like they were horrendous. Oh my gosh. I ripped them up and threw them all away because they were so, 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 so bad. Like I can't even... There's one line that I still remember to this day 
that's not even that embarrassing, but like just the rest of where it went. I don't even know what I was saying about with that line. I'm not going to tell you what the line is. That's a secret I'm going to take to my grave. But it was just so bad. Like everything that I wrote back then was just so cringy and embarrassing that like, how did she come up with songs that are like not embarrassing when she was that, that same age that I was when I was writing those music, those songs? Anyways, true talent. Um, okay, so moving on to Fearless. Fearless was released two years later, I think. Yes, two years later in 2008. Um, and most of the songs on this one still are kind of made up stories um, or based on people that she knows or based on... Like, I mean, like 15 is based on her life. Obviously she talks about meeting her best friend and they're still friends to this day, which is so cute for them. Um, like 15, 16 years later and they're still besties. Shout out to Abigail. Um, she'll actually come up later. There's a song that I believe was written about Abigail. Um, so anyways, 15, she talks about, I sat in class next to a redhead named Abigail and Pretty soon we're best friends. Yes, I just recited that from my memory. My my brain, I think, is about 65% Taylor Swift lyrics. The rest of it is like every other piece of information that I need to know to survive in this world. It's all crammed in the rest of my brain. But about mm, 50 to 60% at least is solely Taylor Swift lyrics. I I just remember when Fearless Taylor's version came out. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, this will come up again later because she did write songs about this situation. But basically, Taylor, the first contract she signed with a major record label, uh, it was with Big Machine Records, with a guy named Scott. Scott Borchetta, I think. I don't remember what his last name is. Mostly because everyone who's fans of Taylor Swift's like like on the internet, they like trash talk him and so they purposely misspell his last name. So I have seen so many of those versions of his name that I don't actually really remember what his real last name is. It starts with a B, I'm pretty sure. Um, but his his first name is Scott, I know that much. Anyways, she signed it with this guy. He seems super supportive. We found out later it was around the lover era. Um, we find out, found out later that Scott and big machine records owned all of her music. Um, if you don't know what that means, you can look it into yourself because I don't really know how to explain it. Basically she didn't, she did not own her own music. She didn't, did not own like the licensing and stuff to her own music, even though she wrote it and everything, which to be honest is pretty common for a lot of new artists um because then like that the label can kind of do what they want with their music and they like get money when people play that song play those those songs and everything anyways it it does happen very often um but it happens a lot more when people are young when they get signed because then they're like oh this is really my only chance so i might as well take it because at least people will be hearing my music but then as they get popular in their own right and want to own 
you know, their, their own stuff that they wrote and they worked on themselves. Um, it's hard for them to sometimes buy that music back. Some people can, um, she could not. And this is not the first time this has happened. It has famously happened in the past to other artists. Um, and it is a big problem within the music industry. People have talked about it before. Um, it did get spoken about a lot during the Taylor Swift situation because she was very outspoken about it and how unfair it was because her music was then sold off to someone else without her being aware um, because she had expressed interest in buying her own music, like buying the licensing and everything and owning her own music. But then it was sold to someone else that she actually hates, which we'll get into that. Um, when that, when the music about that situation come up, which are her like final albums, um, well her like latest released albums, not her final albums. I hope she's going to release more. I would assume she will. Um, anyways, so why did I even start talking about this? I honestly have no idea why I started talking about this. Why did I bring up Scott? I don't know. But anyways, basically she didn't own her music back then um, because she just, she signed a deal that was not necessarily in her favor in that way just so that she could start getting music produced and that's what a lot of new artists do and it's a big issue within the music industry. That's it. That's the end of that conversation. It'll come back up later. But basically um, 15 or... Fearless is laying the groundwork for these relationships and these friendships that are going to follow her throughout her life. 15 is notably one of them with talking about Abigail. Um, Hey, Steven, I have heard that like someone came forward and was like, Hey, Hey, Steven is written about my brother. Like my brother is the Steven she was talking about, which how weird because Hey, Steven is such a good song. And I would feel weird singing along to it, being like, oh, this is about a girl who's secretly in love with my brother. Actually, maybe I wouldn't feel weird about that. I'd just be like, huh. Sorry that they didn't ever date. Steven probably is bummed about it now. Actually, maybe not. He might be happily married. Who knows? Anyways, um, I'm trying to look through real fast to see. Change was written. Isn't that like the Olympic song? Wasn't Change like the official Olympic song? In 2008, I feel like I remember seeing that a lot on like NBC during the Olympic breaks. She had like a music video that was playing. Anyways, okay. So the bonus songs on Fearless are incredible. I just need to throw that out there. The bonus songs are so good. Um, Wait, is this not Taylor's version? I'm on the list of like her... Ha ha ha. Sorry, I was on the wrong I was on the wrong track listing. I need to go to Taylor's version one. Oh, that's why I brought it up. It all comes full circle. I brought it up because Taylor just recently released the Taylor's version of Fearless, which basically means because she didn't own all of her music, um she ended up leaving Big Machine Records because she had told them that she wanted to buy her music or what like what could she do to get her to own her music and they had said whenever she releases a new album they'll give her one album of hers back 
But then it was like she would basically be committing to like releasing like six more albums with them. And like, anyways, it was just not really, it wasn't really worth it for her um, to stay in the situation that she didn't want to be in um, just to get her music back. And she made the difficult decision to leave Big Machine Records, even though that meant leaving behind her music Um, and like leaving behind ownership of those songs. So she came out with a new version, which is basically all of the same songs, but she re-recorded them and released them under an album called Taylor's Version. So it's basically the same album. However, she's re-recorded it, which like her voice is a lot stronger now and it just sounds incredible. Um, the, like the new version, I was actually just listening to it this morning, fun fact. But she also was able to release a few songs that she had written at that time and had wanted to put them on the album, but for some reason or another, they were not actually included on the album. So we're going to go over a couple of those because there's one specifically that was definitely written about someone, <laughs> which is what this whole pod episode is about for this podcast. Anyways, um... So we kind of talked about this before. I think I talked about in the last episode. Um, Forever and Always is written about Joe Jonas. So Forever and Always is track 11 on Fearless, both the old version and Taylor's version. Um, And that was the only song that made the first version of this album um, about Joe. And it was kind of like the first song that we know of, to my knowledge, um, that is written about a famous boyfriend. The other ones were about, like I said, if they were real past relationships of hers or like crushes, they were all just like normal dudes on the side of the road or that she's not on the side of the road that she like went to school with. I mean, I don't think she like saw a guy and was like, that man, I'm going to write a song about him. But maybe she could have because to be honest, there's been people where I've like seen a guy and been like, huh, I wonder if I could fall in love with him. And it's all based on their looks, which is unfair. Um, But sometimes I still think about some of those guys. I'm like, oh, he was really attractive. Wonder what he's up to. So that's a fun fact for you as well. Sometimes I still think about random guys that I did see on the side of the road. Anyways, Forever and Always is written about Joe Jonas. And it is just talking about when they broke up. It was a last minute inclusion because they broke up right before the album was released. And anyways, in the new Taylor's version, there's another song that was released called My Mr. Perfectly Fine, which is also written about Joe Jonas, which I am now realizing I think I also talked about last week as well. So those are the two songs written about Joe. Um... He got two songs written about him and it was only like a three month relationship. So props to him, but it was very good. (laughs) I don't know where I was going with that. It's a great song. Mr. Perfectly Fine is very catchy. Um, But like before I move on to speak now, I just need to go into the bonus songs. Jump Then Fall, Untouchable, Come In With The Rain, Superstar, The Other Side Of The Door. All five of those songs are bonus songs and they're all like, they're five of my favorite all time favorite Taylor Swift songs. Untouchable is so beautiful. 
I don't think you guys understand when I'm saying this. Untouchable is so beautiful. And if you don't agree, I you're crazy. I don't know what's wrong with you. It's such a beautiful song. Jump Then Fall is so catchy and so fun. And I love that song. I will always love that song. Superstar is also just a fun song to sing along with. Okay, The Other Side of the Door. The ending of The Other Side of the Door. Like the final... Is it a bridge? Hold on. What's it called? I'm looking up the lyrics real fast. Because I need to remember where it falls in the song. I think it's the very, very end. Um... No, I don't want the 2016 film, The Other Side of the Door. I don't even know what that is. I'm sorry if that's your favorite movie. I've never heard of it in my life. Okay, The Other Side of the Door, Taylor Swift. Genius.com. You never let me down. Genius. Okay, the outro. The outro to that song is so catchy. It's so good. And sometimes I think people forget about that song, but it's so good to just like scream along to in the shower. Have I done that quite a few times in my life? Yes. Have I done that quite a few times in the last year? Yes. For no reason. Like I don't, it's not like I am like mourning the loss of some relationship where this even applies in any way, but it's just so fun to sing along with. But can I talk about quickly come in with the rain? Actually, I don't know why I asked that question because none of you are here to say no. So <laughs> it's going to happen anyways. Come Out of the Rain is so good. And I just don't even have words to express how much I love that song. And I don't even know why because it's kind of like a different vibe from her usual stuff, which I think is why I like it. Like the lyrics are a little bit different. Um, and like there's a lot more like metaphors, maybe not metaphors. What am I trying to say? She just uses a different kind of speech pattern, I would say, in that song that is unlike most of her other songs. Maybe I'm crazy, but that's what I remember. And I feel like I just listened to this song recently. I did not hear it this morning. I accidentally, I actually finished getting ready for the day before that song came on, so I didn't finish it. But it's just like a lot more like earthy and not in your face about what she's saying. Um, it's a little bit more abstract. It's not really that abstract. I'm getting too aggressive and trying to describe this. But it's just, I just think a lot of people don't like this song and don't give it the like recognition it deserves because it's a little bit weirder than some of her songs. But it's just, it's just a really good song. So that's your assignment for today is to go listen to Untouchable and go listen to Come In With The Rain because both of those songs are incredible and don't get the love they deserve. Moving on, we're going to jump into Speak Now because this is when it also gets into songs that you pretty much know, like, what who they're all written about. I guess maybe not because I don't know who mine is written about. I just looked at mine and I I don't know who that one's written about. Um, hey, look at that. Swift revealed that mine was inspired by an unnamed crush. So... Yeah, this is not a real relationship. Well, 
like it didn't actually happen. Um, I would say the same probably about Sparks Fly. I think that one is also just a like generic song, like love song. I don't think it's really written about anyone specifically. Because I thought she wrote it like years, a few years before it even got put on the album. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. I was correct. She did write it a few years before it was released, which was in 2011. So I don't think that was written about a celebrity boyfriend. However, Back to December. Back to December is about Taylor Lautner. Do you guys remember that Taylor Swift and Taylor Lautner dated for like a hot second? I don't even know how long they dated for. And I don't really want to look it up. Um, but they dated and she, either she broke up with him or he broke up with her because she was like not around. I don't know. But basically it's like her apologizing to him. Most of her songs that are about guys are about how they broke her heart. And this one is like about her apologizing for breaking his heart and like not treating him the way that he should, that like he should have been treated, I guess. Um, hold on. Let me look up the lyrics. Okay. So it's basically like saying like, how's life? How's your family? I haven't seen him in a while. It's just about like having like some small talk. Um, so she says, the last time you saw me is still burned in the back of your mind. You gave me roses and I left them there to die. So this is me swallowing up my pride, standing in front of you saying, I'm sorry for that night. Basically, yeah, basically she broke his heart and she feels really bad about it. And she misses... I don't think she really, like, I mean, it kind of says she, like, misses them. But I think it's mostly, like, she misses that she didn't, that she, like, took him for granted. And, like, misses what could have been, you know? If she had, like, been better to him in that relationship, where would they be at now? To be honest, it always weirded me out that they were dating each other because their first names are Taylor. And I don't know, I don't really like that. <laughs> I don't really like the idea of dating someone with the same first name as me, which I get is maybe weirder for me because I've never met a man in my life that is named Sarah. But like, that just feels weird to me to date someone with the same first name. Because even if you're gay and you're dating someone with the same like gender as you and they could have the same name, wouldn't that just be weird? I get that like you logically wouldn't get confused because it's not like you're referring to yourself in third person. So if you're saying that name, then they know you're talking to them. But something in my soul just feels weird about dating someone with the same name as you. Does anyone else think that's weird or is it just me? Maybe just me. Oh, well, moving on. Cause I'm like already at past 30 minutes. Guys, I might have to do two parts. I might have to do two episodes. Or this is just going to be a lot longer. Like, I was just saying that these are all... That, that it won't take me a long time, and I was wrong. I'm really sorry. Um, Dear John is about John Mayer. I don't like John Mayer, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, Dear John is about him and the fact that he took advantage of her... In their not really relationship, but kind of relationship. They didn't ever officially date, to my knowledge. Well, they didn't ever officially date. 
to my knowledge, they didn't actually date anyways. It kind of, I'm 99% sure that he just let her on and like flirted with her a lot when she was 19 years old. Um, and he was in his early thirties, I think. I don't know how old he is, but he was much older than her. And basically, Dear John, look, Dear John is like a masterclass in lyrics. It is beautifully written. Like, let me just, let me just read these lyrics to you, okay? You are an expert at sorry and keeping lines blurry, never impressed by me acing your tests. All the girls that you run dry have tired, lifeless eyes because you burned them out. But I took your matches before fire could catch me, so don't look now. I'm shining like fireworks over your sad, empty town. You guys cannot tell me that that is not painting a beautiful picture of like all, like, especially the part that says all the girls that you've run dry have tired, lifeless eyes. Cause you can just imagine it. Like he's just been playing so many mind games and just like leading so many girls on that. They're just like exhausted. They don't know what to do anymore because they're just like, they've, they've been sucked dry, you know, emotionally. And then her saying like, I took your matches before you could get to me and suck on that. (laughs) That's what I'm imagining she's saying with the song. Um, But yeah, she was was a young girl, just barely an adult. And he let her on. Um, There's another song that's about John Mayer that's going to come up on Red. But that one's like the main one about John Mayer. I mean, it sets his name in the title, so it's pretty obvious. Um, Enchanted was written about, Enchanted was written about the lead singer of, uh, Owl City. Actually, isn't Owl City not even a band? Isn't it just one man, but he doesn't go by his name? Yeah. Adam Young. It's written about him. Um, but when it like became obvious that it was written about him because they just like had like exchanged emails back and forth, I think. Um, and then they like met in person and like talked and stuff, but like nothing ever happened. She wrote one of the most beautiful and romantic songs of all time though. Cause Enchanted is incredible. It's probably in my top five favorite Taylor Swift songs. <sighs> Sorry. I said that all at once and I ran out of breath. Um, when it became obvious that she had written about him, he like wrote like a response song back, but I think she was already dating someone else. So sorry, Adam. Um, but yeah, Enchanted is written about Owl City, which is kind of hilarious to me because it feels so random. Better Than Revenge. I'm sorry. I did say that Joe only had two songs written about him. That's my bad. Um, because he has Better Than Revenge is kind of about him. Um, Last Kiss is also about him on that album. Who is Haunted about? Haunted is one of my favorite songs. And I don't know who that one's about. Maybe Joe? Could be. Um, but Last Kiss is a really sad song. She was like, it basically goes, like, never thought we'd have our last kiss. <sighs> what a sad thing to say. Anyways, that's about Joe Jonas. Um, I'm looking real quick at the bonus songs. Yep, those are all good songs too. But really nothing else is standing out to me from this album of like who these songs are about that I need to bring up. 
Who is the story about us about? I think the story about us is about Judge Honest. Oh. I take it back. The story of us, John Mayer said it's about him. John Mayer could just be making things up, though, to get attention. Seems like something he would do. Um, I'm sorry if John Mayer's PR team is listening to this. I'm not trying to slander you. You make some good songs. Um... But I don't know. Hold on. Let me just let me just try to solve this mystery real fast for us. I can hear a few of my friends um in my mind right now. I know they're just if they're listening to this, they're just gonna be like yelling and being like, Sarah, it's clearly about this person, but I'm not I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Um I'm just reading the lyrics real fast. I'm sorry. This I guess I shouldn't have dead air, right? Isn't that like... I guess I'm not on radio, so it doesn't really matter. Um, this is basically just about her being in the same place as an ex. So it really... It could be about Joe, but it also could be about John Mayer. Yeah, nothing to see here. Not enough for me to really... I don't really care enough to look into it. Um, it is a catchy song, though. I do remember that. Okay, let's get into Red. Okay. Red is famously almost entirely written about Jake Gyllenhaal. So Taylor said that she had a boyfriend that she was dating who was like, don't write a song about me. He either said, I don't remember, someone would be able to correct me. But he said something along the lines of, if we break up, don't write a song about me. Or when they did break up, he was like, don't write a song about me. And so she was like, so instead I decided to write a whole album about him. And that was Red, which is one of my favorite albums by her. Old Sarah would have said that this is 100% their favorite album. But, like, I also really love 1989 and Lover so much um, that I don't know. But Red has a very, very special place in my heart. So just to go over it quickly-ish, I... This is just going to be a long episode, and I apologize. You can listen to it in parts or not. It's up to you. Live your life. Um, But yeah, basically, State of Grace, Red, Treacherous, those are all about Jake Gyllenhaal. I Knew You Were Trouble, however, is written about John Mayer. And it really annoys me. How many people say that it's written about Harry Styles? Because it's not. Okay, listen to the words coming from my mouth. It is 100% not written about Harry Styles. Taylor was not even dating Harry when Red came out, okay? So I don't understand why people are like, yeah, I I know your trouble is definitely about Harry. No, they were not even dating yet, okay? It's impossible. It's impossible for this to be about. Harry Styles, and I will take that to my grave. But too many people say that it's written about Harry Styles, and it really annoys me. I feel like someone famous was like, I think it's about Harry Styles or something like that, and then it like caught on. But I don't know what people are talking about. Like, it just doesn't add up to me. It's impossible because it came out in. 2012, right? 
didn't this didn't Red get released in 2012? Hold on, hold on. 2012. Yeah. And her and Harry were dating. Hold on, let me see when they were dating. Harry and Taylor. If they were dating in 2012, they like got together in 2012. So she wouldn't be writing a breakup song while she was still dating him. Um Kate, like, why is no one just, when did they date? Why, why is no one giving me the answer? Dated from late 2012. Okay. Yeah. So why, when they started dating around the time this album was released, how could it be about him? Tell me that all the people who say that it's about Harry Styles, you're wrong and just admit it. It's about John Mayer. Okay. I don't know. I got too aggressive about that. I'm sorry. But I've just heard so many people say that. And it always annoys me. Because it doesn't even... It's impossible. It doesn't make sense. I Knew Your Trouble is one of the only songs on Red that is not about Jake Gyllenhaal. All Too Well is obviously about Jake Gyllenhaal. Which is my all-time favorite Taylor Swift song. It is so great. And I'm so excited. Um for the 10 minute version to come out. The reason why I'm doing that this this week is because her red Taylor's version dropped, well I'll be posting this on Saturday and it will have po- it'll the album will have dropped the day before. So when this is posted, I will be happily in my own world listening to Taylor's version of Red and the 10 minute version of All Too Well. Because she wrote a 10 minute version of the song and had to cut it down to 5 minutes 29 seconds. Which is still a very long song. But not long enough. Because, like, look people. The lyrics of All Too Well are incredible. You call me up again just to, um, wait, what am I saying? I just got, I just got two in my head that I like mixed up all these lyrics you call me up again just to break me like a promise so casually cruel in the name of being honest there we go I got it back again I'm a crumpled up piece of paper lying here like those lines get me every time and I could not even tell you the amount of times I've driven around in my car screaming those lyrics at the top of my lungs it is the best form of therapy other than actual therapy that you could ever have If you've never done it before, try it. It's very cathartic. Um, All Too Well is very beautiful. Look, the rest of these are basically about him. (laughs) Like, all of Red is about him. Basically. Everything Has Changed is not about him. Maybe. Why do I forget this song? Oh, Begin Again is the one that's about the Kennedy boy. What's his name? Robert? No. (laughs) That's like the actual Kennedy. Uh, Connor Kennedy, is that his name? She dated him for a hot second right after Jake. Um, Begin Again is about that, like her starting a new relationship tentatively after picking up the pieces from Jake breaking her heart. Now, let me say, let me say just very briefly, um, I'm pretty sure Jake, because she didn't date Jake for that long, but she wrote a whole album about him. I have very, very um, sure feelings as to why she was like so affected by this relationship. Um, I don't know how much I can say here 
while keeping this podcast PG. But let me just say, if you want to go back to All Too Well, um, she talks about nights where he made her his own. So I think that's all I have to say. Um, I, in my opinion, this relationship was like her first love, basically. Her first real adult relationship, I guess. Um, where they probably spent a lot of time together. And I think that's why she was more affected by this relationship than any others. I think she was closer to him in a way that she was not with previous relationships. I think I made it pretty clear to you guys what I mean. So, yeah. I think that's why she wrote the whole song about him. And I could really go into more details as to why I'm 100% sure that's the case. Um, But, like, I don't think that I need to because that's also none of my business. I would just say that that's, to me, that's what makes sense as to why that relationship was so intense for her. Because she wrote such a long, like, so many songs about him. Um, when they didn't date for that long. And I just feel like it was just a much more intense love than she'd ever experienced before. Come Back Be Here is a very good song. And the moment I knew is very heartbreaking. That's like the moment she knew that her and Jake were going to break up. Or some people have said that's the moment, like the moment I knew. Some people said that Jake cheated on her, which could be true. I haven't really looked into that that much. I just kind of got the vibe that he like, at least was like emotionally unavailable and just was not showing up for her anymore. And that's, she knew like the relationship was dying. That's kind of what I got when I first heard the moment I knew, but I don't know. I'll have to re-listen to it. Um, girl at home, people say that it, people say that's about Zac Efron. People say that Zac Efron was hitting on her. Um, didn't they do that? Like Horton, here's a who movie together. Weren't they voices on a movie together? I don't know what movie it was. Maybe, am I right about that? Let me know. Anyways, um, people say that he was really flirty with her when they were on press tour for their movie. And she wrote that because everyone obviously knew that Zac Efron was dating Vanessa Hudgens at the time. And Girl at Home is all about like, why are you flirting with me? I know you have a girl at home. So stop talking to me like that, you know? Um, so yeah, that kind of checks out to me. I don't know. I'm not trying to slander Zac Efron right now um, because I do love Zac Efron just from High School Musical. So maybe it's not about him. I don't know. But that's just a little fun fact of what I've heard the rumor mill say that Girl at Home is about Zac Zac Efron. Um, She is going to be releasing more songs. So I may have to do like an amended version of this next episode. Um, cause she will be releasing some bonus songs that she wrote at that time. I'm going to just assume most of them are about Jake Gyllenhaal because this whole album was about Jake Gyllenhaal. I will also say that Jake said that he listened to Red. It was like a year or two after it was released. It was a while afterwards, but I remember vividly him saying in an interview, he finally listened to the album all the way through, and he said it was very, I don't think he said bittersweet, but I remember him saying it felt like looking through a pic, like a photo album, like just like all of those memories coming up. Like he said, it was like very, it was very beautiful, I feel like is what he said. 
Um, I guess I could look it up for you guys. <laughs> Gyllenhaal Red Album. Taylor. Just piecing together words to see. Uh... Ugh. Everything's just about her Red re-release and how it's all going to be about Jake again. Well, then I'm not going to be able to easily find that quote. But I do vividly remember him saying that he listened to it and it was like looking through like a photo album and like remembering and reliving all these beautiful memories they had together. So he wasn't like a total jerk about it. He seemed to be like, yeah, she just told our story and listening to the album was just remembering that. So I guess good for Jake for not getting all upset about it. She didn't write anything too mean about him. I mean, we are never ever getting back together is maybe not the nice, like is basically just like, we're literally never getting back together because you're the worst. But she wasn't like attacking his character. Like she was John Mayer and dear John. So I guess Jake kind of got off lucky, but maybe we'll see with her new songs on the re-release of red. Maybe some of them will get a little bit more aggressive. We'll see. But yeah, that's red. Basically just all written about Jake. So I'm thinking, looking at the time, now that I just finished talking about Red and I'm almost in an hour, I think I'm going to end here this week. Sorry to leave you all hanging, but I just have a feeling that this is going to go on for like another hour. I have to talk about five more albums. And I should have known that I have a lot to say about Taylor. I always do. I can talk about her music forever, clearly, because I just did. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to end this episode here so that you guys don't have an insanely long podcast to listen to for those of you who are still listening at this point. Um, and I think I'm going to cover 1989 through Evermore next week and maybe be able to tack on a little bit about Taylor's version of Red, um, any new music that comes out. If there's anything notable to add, then I can just add it on next week. Um, I don't know that there will be because, like I said, I'm pretty sure all of the new songs are just going to be about Jake again. Um, but yeah, I'm going to end this episode here and I will finish this about Taylor next week. Hopefully you guys don't mind getting two weeks of Taylor Swift. I don't mind it. And I feel like most of the people listening are on the same page as me with our love for Taylor Swift. And if you're not, maybe after these two weeks, you will suddenly love her because you'll realize how good of a writer she is. Um, but yeah, we're going to end this here. This has been your weekly dose of serotonin and I will Talk to you again next week. Bye. Okay. Hi. Hello. It's me again. I understand that I just said bye like two seconds ago, um, but I recorded that podcast like five days ago um, and was just waiting to publish it um, until like my normal publishing day. But I understand that I said that I was going to maybe talk about the songs on Red, like from the vault. Um later on, but like, I cannot wait. It just dropped today. Well, last night. Um, 
the red Taylor's version, that is, if you don't know what I'm talking about. And I do actually need to discuss a couple songs from the vault. Um, so hopefully this won't take me too long because this is, podcast is already almost at an hour. I will warn you in advance next week's podcast. I've already recorded it. Um, like the second half of Taylor's discography is like much, much longer than an hour. So not much longer. It's like an hour and a half ish. Um, maybe a little less than that. So just warning you in advance, um, that you have that to look forward to next Saturday. But anyways, um, I just need to discuss a couple songs from the vault that she released. So she released, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine songs from the vault, which is insane. Um, two of them are songs that we have already heard before from other artists because she wrote them. And then other artists, is it only two or did three people or three of these other people's songs? I don't know. Anyways, she like wrote them and like let other people sing them, but she recorded her version of the songs, which they're great, but mostly I want to talk about three songs in particular, nothing new. I bet you think about me and the 10 minute version of all too well. Okay. I just need to discuss those quickly before I wrap this podcast up for real. Um, okay. I look, she dragged Jake to the depths of hell and back with, I bet you think about me. Um, we're going to get to that in a second. Let's talk about nothing new first, because this is not about Jake. Um, this song hit me to the very core from the very beginning. I mean, really the opening lines, they tell you while you're young, girls go out and have your fun. Then they hunt and slay the ones who actually do it. Criticize the way you fly when you're soaring through the sky. Shoot you down and then they sigh and say, she looks like she's been through it. Like, wow. I mean, it's just crazy to me because like, obviously we know what happened later on in her life. I don't know that I talked about it in this podcast. Again, I'm too lazy to go back and listen to what I actually said in this half. I know that I talk about it in, in the next podcast next week. Um, like when she like the whole world turned against her and she like went into hiding and stuff. Um, so I talk about it briefly, but it's just interesting how even at 22, she was already thinking about what would happen if the whole world turned against me because they already are like, go out, have fun, do what you want to do, like live your life. Um, just like have fun, you're young. And then when she's actually doing it, they're criticizing everything she's doing And the second she like crashes a little bit because of that negative criticism, um, they're like, Ooh, yikes. Wow. She's having a really hard time when they're the ones who are giving the heart, her the hard time in the first place. So it's just very interesting to me that she's already thinking about this stuff clearly. And then it actually ends up happening. Um, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want to like, you know, the whole speak it into existence. Um, I would not like that to happen. All the negative things that I say might happen to me, I'm trying not to speak those into existence because yikes. Um, anyways, so that part was really sad and it's really sad. Like how can a person know everything at 18, but nothing at 22? I feel like that hit me to my core because I feel like it's so true. Like I feel like it was when I was in high school, I was like, oh my gosh, I, not that I knew everything, but I felt like I just like knew who I was and knew my place in the world. And then I hit my early twenties 
<laughs> I'm not crying. I got something stuck in my throat. Um, when I hit my early twenties, I was like, wow, I actually don't know who I am and I don't know my place in this world at all. Like, what am I even doing here? Um, so that's extremely relatable. And, um, you can just tell that she was really feeling like the weight of the world already at 22, which I mean, makes sense. This was her fourth studio album and she was like on top of the world. Like everybody was obsessed with her. So of course she's going to feel that weight at even like at such a young age. Um, and then, and will you still right after that, it says, and will you still want me when I'm nothing new? Oh my gosh, Taylor. Taylor. Okay. But the other part that I want to point out is, um, in the bridge. (sighs) Okay. It says, I know someday I'm going to meet her. It's a fever dream. The kind of radiance you only have at 17. She'll know the way. And then she'll say she got the roadmap or she got the map from me. I'll say I'm happy for her. And then I'll cry myself to sleep. That one, that killed me because that's, that's gotta be how it is. Like, for singers and actresses and I mean, even actors, um, I do think it's a little bit different with women because women in, um, the entertainment business in any way, whether it's acting or music or whatever, I feel like people have an obsession with like young, fresh, innocent voices. Um, and so they just love looking for like the next big star. And that definitely does happen with guys, but I feel like men are allowed to to age more than women are. Um, anyways, so just like the fact that she already knows there's going to be a time when a girl who's like 16, 17, 18 years old is going to come to me and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm such a big fan. You're the reason I started playing in the first place. And then ends up becoming more popular than Taylor and Taylor like becomes forgotten because she's nothing new anymore. And there are new faces on the scene now. Like a, you know that that's probably how people felt when she became famous. So I feel like she's having this like understanding of that cycle that Hollywood and the music industry and the entertainment business have where they just like, phase out people who have been popular even for just like five or six years once they get a new face they forget about the old people immediately even those those people still had tons of talent and still have so much to offer it's like we're not interested anymore you're old news um so just that she already is expecting that at 22 to be like I know I'm gonna meet this girl who's gonna come up to me and be like I started playing the guitar because of you and that has happened That's totally happened to her. However, Taylor has like evolved and so she's still relevant and always will be. Um, Anyways, so that part, like just I'll say I'm happy for her and then I'll cry myself to sleep because you totally have to just be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'm so honored, which you probably are partially, but then the other part of you is like, she's going to take my spot now. Gosh, gosh. That is just so sad. Okay, anyways, now let's get into Taylor dragging Jake because that's basically what I bet you think about me and the 10-minute version of All Too Well are is just like really, really going to town. So I bet you think about me. I actually don't... I mean, I already said I don't listen to country. Um, so when it first started, I was like a little caught off guard because it was very like... 
it was just real country roots twangy and that's not really my vibe. Um, so I was like, Taylor, what are you doing? But the lyrics are so savage that I'm obsessed, obsessed. Um, like, well, I try to fit in with, with your upper crust circles. Yes, they let me sit with you when we were in love. Oh, they sit around talking about the meaning of life and the book that just saved him I hadn't heard of. Like, just talking about how pretentious his friends are. Like, oh, you're coming from this, like, posh circle of friends and family that are, like, super rich and just have to be better than everybody else. Which she kind of references in We Are Never Getting Back Together. Obviously, this is about Jake. I already said that, but we're never getting back together also about Jake. And she says like with your indie record, that's much cooler than mine. We already knew that Jake had this like air of being pretentious and like this song just goes for it. Talking about that. Um, let me just mention a few of my favorite drags of hers. Um, you grew up in a silver spoon, gated community, glamorous, shiny, bright Beverly Hills. I was raised on a farm. No, it wasn't a mansion. That is not a drag, to be honest. I just like that little part because it's like, I'm coming from a normal family. It kind of is just showing how big of a difference there was between them. A, a huge age difference, which we're obviously going to get into in a second. Um, But B, like, just, he was raised in this, like, elite circle of entertainment people. For those of you who don't know, um, his family is big in the, um, entertainment business, I guess I would say. Obviously, if you guys don't know who his sister is, Maggie Gyllenhaal, are you like living under a rock? What's wrong with you? Um, but his parents, I believe his dad is a film director. Yeah. His dad is a film director. His mom is a film producer and screenwriter. Um, but like really famous people are people that he refers to as like a godmother or like a second aunt or second mom or like whatever. Like he is really, really close to a lot of really famous people and has been since he was a kid because of his parents. So he just seems like a bit of a snob if I'm being honest with you. Um, I'm sorry. Maybe he's nice in real life. Probably not. Um, mostly because I just love Taylor so much that I will not accept any other answer. Um, anyways, moving on, let's get to her savage savagery. Um, first of all, just the fact that she, like the chorus is like Mr. Mr. Superior thinking, do you think you have all the space that you need? I don't have to be your shrink to know that you'll never be happy, but I, and I bet you think about me, man, just to be like, Dude, you're never going to be satisfied, are you? Like, I... It's not my fault. It's not my fault that you weren't happy with me. That's just who you are as a person. Um, now you're out in the world searching for your soul, scared not to be hip, scared to get old. Um, What's the next part? Again, like, at your cool indie, indie music concerts every week, I bet you think about me. That whole, like, those, all those lines that I was just reading, um, just about him, like, just being like, you are so, like, you just want to be cool so badly that you're just doing anything you can to be cool and young and hip and fresh. When, like, dude was 30 years old at the time. Not saying 30 is old. I'm almost 30. But just, like, to still be chasing that feels very, like, a high school mentality of, like, 
you have to be the popular kid and fit in and be like the coolest kid around and the kid that everyone wants to be like. Like if you're still in that mindset when you're hitting your thirties, I just feel like you maybe need some growing up to do. I feel like at that point in your life, you should be a little bit more settled. I understand wanting to feel accepted, but I feel like that's a, there's a difference. I feel like when you're like chasing that feeling of like wanting to be like the coolest kid around, that feels like a very high school mindset um, versus just like wanting people to like you as a person, you know, which I feel like is what most people is like the normal reaction of most people as they get older, especially like you come to terms with who you are, you begin to like love who you are, hopefully. Um, and then you just like want people to like and accept you for who you are anyways. Um, but my favorite, my favorite line is the ending, like few lines. Um, it says with your organic shoes and your million dollar couch, I bet you think about me when you say, um, she's insane. She wrote a song about me. I bet you think about me anyways. I don't know why I just love her saying like with your organic shoes, because that just shows how freaking pretentious he is. At least at the time. Maybe he's evolved. Maybe he's changed. Um, but just like, I'm not saying that organic shoes are bad, obviously. Like, shop sustainably when you can. But I just love that. Like, with your organic shoes and your million dollar couch. Like, you're so pretentious that you have to have these organic shoes. But then you're also going to drop a million dollars on a couch for your house. That just... Look, I don't understand. I don't think... I don't know if you understand... That this, to me, is just a great drag. Like, the whole song. Just dragging his name through the mud without saying his name. But we all know. We all know who it is. We all know who it is, Jake. Okay. Um, before I go on too long, I just need to talk about the all-too-well 10-minute version. And then I, will, I promise I will be done with this episode. Um, so, obviously, all-too-well, as I discussed, like, probably from what you were listening to like 10 minutes ago, 15 minutes ago. I don't know. Um, all too well, as you all should know by now is my favorite Taylor Swift song. So I was very excited for the 10 minute version. I will say I do love the parts that she chose to keep. I understand why she chose to keep them. And I do love the one that she originally released like that version of all too well. Um, but like the songs, the parts that she cut are like heart wrenching. Okay heart-wrenching more so than the song already is which it already is very heartbreaking um but like just the parts that were cut out um let me let me let me let me pull up the one the parts that really get to me first of all and there we are again when nobody had to know you kept me like a secret but I kept you like an oath that line made me gasp Okay, I am not exaggerating. I was genuinely like, <gasps> when that happened. I don't know why I just recreated it, like as if you guys don't know what a gasp is. But um, anyways, I genuinely was shook to my core. Um, why did that just remind me of the part from Monsters, Inc. when he's talking about when that monster is being interviewed for TV and he was like, she picked me up with her mind powers and shook me like a dog. Anyways, it's fine. Um <laughs> I'm getting distracted. So that part, like, you kept me like a secret, but I kept you like an oath is just such a, it's such a good line. Girl, how did you keep that, that line alone in the vault? I would be, I don't care if it's in a song, like, 
that I already wrote, if I just thought that I was never going to release this long version, I would have recycled that line. Absolutely. Because I just think that's such a good line. Like, we were keeping it on the DL, but you were keeping it almost as like a secret, which secrets don't always have to have a negative connotation. But often when you hear the word secret, you kind of have naturally a negative reaction to it, in my opinion, because secrets usually allude to the fact that you're keeping something from other people due to feeling like shame about that thing. Secrets often have a connotation of shame. And is this why I became an is this why I went to school and majored in English? Like, why am I applying the same in-depth analysis that I used to to all of the, like, close reading essays that I had to do on all of the, like, books that we had to read? Why am I doing that to the Taylor Swift lyrics? I mean, you're welcome. These are all things that you guys probably picked up on anyways, but I just need to discuss it. Um, anyways, just saying, like, you kept me, like, a secret. You almost, like, kept me quiet because of some sort of like embarrassment or shame, that kind of connotation. But I kept you like an oath. Like I was true to you. You kept me like off to the side behind a closed locked door that nobody knew about. But I, even though I kept it quiet, I was keeping you like safe and protected. And I was loyal to you. Wow. Okay. Wow. That one line alone. Anyways. Um, okay. They, they say all's well that ends well, but I'm in a new hell every time you double cross my mind. (sighs) Just saying you double cross my mind instead of every time you cross my mind. Like, wow, that's very smart of her. Um, also you said if we had been closer in age, maybe it would have been fine. And that made me want to die. The idea of me, who was she? Like, the fact that he was the one who was dating her when she was 20 years old. Because, like, look, I feel like when people are 18, 19, 20 years old, they still, I mean, it's scientific fact that our brains are not fully, like, formed by then or whatever. The decision-making part of our brain is not, like, fully finished forming or whatever you want to say. Um when you're that young and to have someone who's older than you, like take advantage of you in that way. I don't know. I just feel like for him to like be clearly pursuing her, maybe she pursued him, whatever, but like for him to be like dating her and all this stuff. And then to say like, Oh, maybe if we were closer in age, it would have been okay. Like bro, you knew she was 20 all along. Don't fool yourself. Don't say that that's the issue. Like maybe it is, but like you should have known going into it that that would have been an issue. You know, you know what I mean? Um, okay. Here's the part that's heartbreaking. (sighs) You who charmed my dad with self-effacing jokes, sipping coffee like you're on a late night show. (laughs) I do like that line. But then, but then he watched me watch, talking about her dad, but then he watched me watch the front door all night, willing you to come. And he said, it's supposed to be fun turning 21. Oh, oh my gosh. I just got stabbed in the heart by that. Okay. Um, like you guys, first of all, a, she's talking about the moment I knew. Did I talk about the moment I knew on this? I don't know that I did, but if I did or did not, the moment I knew is one of the bonus songs that I love. She's talking about him not showing up to a party. And that's the moment she knew the end of the relationship. Now it's coming back to me. Um, I did discuss this anyways, obviously talking about that night, like 
her dad sitting there at her birthday party watching his daughter just waiting for her boyfriend to come and him being like, this is supposed to be a fun night. Like you're turning 21. You should be excited about this. And you're just sad and heartbroken. Like that would be so hard as a parent. And like, if you remember her parents just watched her go through this with, with John Mayer, obviously not to this extent because she was way more in love with Jake than she was with John. But like they just watched their daughter who was age 19 to 20 respectively um date two guys in a row who like were these older guys who just played with her emotions let her on and I mean Jake and her did actually date so I don't know that you would say let on but like she was definitely more invested in both of those relationships than they were and they just like toyed with her innocent little heart and as a parent that'd be so hard to watch anyways um um there was one other part that I wanted to point out oh this was it I was never good at telling jokes, but the punchline goes, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. Wow. Drag him. Like, just to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep getting older. You're the one who said that I was too young for you, but you're going to keep dating young people like me. Like, I'm going to keep getting older, but you'll still be dating people my age at this moment in time when I am young. And guess what? She was right, as she literally always is, because Jake's current girlfriend is 25 years old. And he has also gotten older, like Taylor has, so he is 40 now. So he still has a 15 age gap, yeah, 15 year gap between his girlfriend and him. So I understand that she's 25 now, so maybe people are like, well, she's more mature. They were 21 when he started dating her. So, like his new girlfriend. Is that also the age that he broke up with Taylor at because she was too young for him? Yes. And then he started dating someone who was 21. Not right afterwards, obviously. There was like time in between. But yeah. So, she basically was telling the future because he did continue to go on and date girls that were much younger than him. So, there's that. Um, also for her to say, I'm not, I'm never good at telling jokes. That is a great, um, tie in to her song begin again, when she's talking about dating someone now, after she was heartbroken from Jake, she's finally like getting back out there and meeting a new guy and like falling for a new guy. Um, and saying, I think it's strange. You think I'm funny. Cause he never did. So obviously like all too well is talking about that. Like you always said that I was not funny. Um, anyways, and then I'm a soldier who's returning half her weight, like how that like imagery of like how much he put her through. (sighs) Make sure there's nothing else. Anyways, just the whole thing is amazing. Uh, I just look, I poor Taylor, poor, poor 21 year old Taylor, who is just so heartbroken from this man. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to a dark place mentally now because I'm so sad for her. Um, it's fine. Everything's fine. She's happy now. Everything's fine. And we got these great songs because of it. The other songs that she released are all great. Like I really like, um, message in a bottle is fun and upbeat. And I enjoy that one. I also really, really like the very first night. That one's fun. Um, so look, they're not all sad. 
but dang, she's such a good lyricist. Like she's such a talented writer. Um, okay. I went way longer than I was expecting to. I'm so sorry to drag this on for you guys. Hopefully you all like Taylor Swift as much as I do so that you enjoyed listening to all of this. Um, but that's my take, my hot take. It's not that hot because everybody, I was just saying obvious things. Um, but those are my thoughts about the bonus songs on Red Taylor's version. Now I need to go listen to them for the next three years of my life. Um, so goodbye for real this time. And next week I will be back at ya with the rest of her discography. Um, I'm warning you in advance. It's very long. Now that I've been talking on this for quite some time, this episode is quite long as well. So I guess it's nothing new. <laughs> Wait, didn't mean to reference her song, but anyways, um, if you haven't listened to her new from the vault songs, highly encourage it. Anyways, enjoy your day. Bye for real this time. Bye.